the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, I got a Twitter shout out from uh, Ohio House member Jeff LeRae. Failed U.S. congressional candidate Jeff LeRae. Uh, backstabber of conservative Speaker of the House Derek Marin, Jeff LeRae who he had a polar plunge over the weekend. And I uh, mourned on Twitter the fact that the water was not frozen because if Jeff LeRae had been diving into frozen water, maybe it would have uh, conked some sense into him and he would have realized that he lied when he and 21 of his other Republican cohorts in the House promised coming out of a caucus meeting in November that they would vote for Derek Maron as Speaker. They didn't have the guts to say then that they were going to backstab Derek Maron and pledge their undying allegiance to the teachers' unions in the state of Ohio and pick Jason Stevens as their Speaker of the House. By the way, if you're waking up in Arizona today or Iowa today or Arkansas or Florida or Texas or South Carolina, lucky you. You get thousands of dollars from the state that they would give to public schools to finance your kids' education, and you get to use that to offset your kids' private school education or charter school education, or homeschool education. But, sorry about it. If you're waking up here in the state of Ohio with me, you don't get that money. You know what you get? You get Jason Stevens' teachers' union pawn put into power by Jeff LeRae and his ilk. And you get Governor Mike DeWine, who's probably eating Fran's cookies or slurping her soup at this moment. Yeah, you bet I'm going to keep the pressure on you, Jeff LeRae. And he says, thanks for the shout-out. If you care to hear the truth, you have my number. I don't have your number. If I had your number, I would have called it. I got a seat right here. Come in and tell us your truth, Jeff LeRae. Explain to me how your word in November did not translate into your vote in January. Explain that to me and the other people listening and the people you supposedly serve south of Columbus. Love to have you and any of your other turncoats who want to come in and defend the fact that You are waking up if you're a parent in Ohio today, and you don't have school choice. Thanks to Jeff LeRae, Jason Stevens, and yes, the feckless leadership of Mike DeWine. Now, we've been talking about the jumping to conclusions. That is our blood sport now. We have to assign blame right away. The death of Kyer Thomas, the little six-month-old boy, one of the two who was kidnapped from his mom's car, at the Donato's when she was going in to get a food delivery order. And he tragically died over the weekend. And we don't know why. And we don't need to speculate why. We know how Tyree Nichols died in Memphis. He was beaten to death by five police officers. The fact is, the five police officers were all black. Doesn't mean that black police officers are incapable of being racist because all cops are racist. It doesn't mean that you have to have black officers patrolling black neighborhoods or Hispanic officers patrolling Hispanic neighborhoods. Because if you advocate for 
black officers in black neighborhoods and Hispanic officers in Hispanic neighborhoods and Asian officers in Asian neighborhoods and white officers in white neighborhoods to fix systemic racism. You are attempting to fix systemic racism, which I don't agree exists, but we're sticking to your narrative now. You are attempting to fix systemic racism with systemic racism. The mistakes made in the aftermath of George Floyd's murder were that we came up with a solution that was a mile wide and an inch deep. And that was, well, I mean, we had a minority killed by a white officer, so if the officer hadn't been white, George Floyd wouldn't have been killed. And so, well, all we got to do is find a bunch more minority officers. And we can't get enough to satisfy our quota that we think will fix it, so how are we going to do this? Well, uh, maybe if we lowered the standards, that would work. Hmm. Well, it didn't work in Memphis. Here are the details on the five officers who beat Tyree Nichols to death. All of them have been on the job less than five years. Two of them joined the Memphis Police Department during the summer of 2020 as riots related to the death of George Floyd rocked the nation. Their hiring came two years after the department significantly lowered the education required to join the force. That's not just Memphis. That's Dayton, and that's Columbus, and that's virtually every metropolitan police department because, of course, we had one guy die in Minneapolis from policing that was judged to be murder and was upheld in a court of law. And while I may disagree with the verdict, and while the autopsy may have disagreed with the verdict, and while you may disagree with the verdict, we are a nation of laws, and we have to live by the ones we don't like and the verdicts we don't like as much as we have to live by the ones we do like. But here is a quote from a Dayton Police Department officer named Tony Murphy speaking to WYSO Radio in... September of 2022, four months ago, five months ago, about how they recruit officers in Dayton. We go out to diverse communities, which is what you see in Dayton. Those are number one things that we strive to go out and try to recruit people from within. We host Citizen Police Academy, which gives an opportunity for citizens within the community to come to our police academy, get some hands-on experience, what it's like to be a police officer for the day, and get hands-on why we do the things we do. And I think that helps people within our community understand that, hey, when you're stopped by police, there are do's and there are don'ts. And we also take in questions and we talk to the community and we say, hey, what is it that you would like to see us do when you're approached by police? So it gives that open dialogue that we can help better ourselves as police officers and that the community can also better themselves for us. That's how you do it. That is how you do it. You don't only allow minorities to see other officers who look like them, you enlarge people's understanding so that they understand the difficulty of what you do and you understand the feelings behind the emotions that are right there on the surface with them and you hopefully have a dialogue and you hopefully communicate better. And standing in the way of that dialogue, of course, are the people who get really, really rich off driving the racial discord. People like Mike Freeman from USA Today and Aaron Katursky of ABC News and Ben Crump and Al Sharpton, and I don't have enough time on this show or in this week or in this month or year to list all the people who drive this narrative that, okay, one thing happened, and it happened this way, and so um, it means this. 
Life is a lot more complex than that. A lot more complex than that. And the truth of the matter is no amount of me telling you this is going to change because, sadly, we are such a racially charged country that the people who are the most effective communicators of the message often are those who look like the people they are talking to, but they are not telling the people they are talking to what the people they are talking to want to hear. They are telling them what they need to hear. But every time somebody steps outside the narrative, like Byron Donalds in Congress, a black congressman from Florida, every time he talks about why conservative policies work and democratic policies don't, well, he is disparaged as an Uncle Tom, right? So we need more people who confound the assumption that if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Thankfully, there is at least one such man, and he is the mayor of Baltimore, Maryland. His name is Brandon Scott. Now, if you were going to name two of the most violent cities in America, Memphis and Baltimore would be right at the top, okay? And over the weekend, while they were rioting in Memphis, they had a shooting in Baltimore. It was not a completely outside the bounds of propriety shooting. I don't mean propri- I mean I don't mean propriety. I mean outside the bounds of normalcy because vi- Baltimore is super violent and people get shot all the time and drive-by shootings and the like. And they had one happen over the weekend where. A guy was standing on a street corner, shot and killed. A woman driving through the intersection, driving through the intersection, not a part of whatever, was shot, drove into a pole. She had in her car a couple little kids. A two-year-old was in her car. A two-year-old got shot in the face. What did the mayor of Baltimore say about this? Did he go out screaming about, oh, we need more money, we need more midnight basketball? No, he told the truth. And you'll hear him tell the truth. Next. So I went through the leftist playbook a little bit earlier, tracing all the way back to George Floyd's murder. He's murdered by a white police officer in Minneapolis. That's page one. Something happens. Horrible. Totally avoidable. Didn't happen. So then we get to overreact to it. So the left uh, immediately says, okay, so we got this. How can we spin it to our advantage? Oh, all cops are terrible. Let's defund the police. And then in the course of defunding the police, people say, well, you defund the police. Are you crazy? So then they say, ah, we know what we'll do. We will hire only minority officers to patrol minority neighborhoods. And that will not get rid of racism. That will uh, stoke more racism because what's the implied takeaway? Someone who does not look like you can't possibly be fair to you. So they have a hard time getting enough minority officers to apply because, uh, going back to the defund the police, people don't generally gravitate to jobs where if you do the job and you get criticized or you get uh, demonized, uh, it's not an attractive job. So there's a shortage of applicants. Okay, so what are we going to do to fix that? Uh, let's, Let's lower the requirements. And they did that in Columbus. And they also said, well, maybe maybe people in 
other departments would like to come to Columbus and work. After all, Columbus is a great place to live. Okay, fantastic. So they took some, what they call, lateral transfers in Columbus. And here is a story from uh, October of 2022. So October, November, three months ago. Would you like to know the background of some of your lateral transfers? These are experienced officers. Uh, one admitted they had been arrested for shoplifting. One said he did not have a valid driver's license for a period of time while serving as a police officer. Another admitted work-related discipline from an incident involving a prostitute. Hmm. Another admitted to not paying federal taxes for three years and also experimenting with marijuana after graduating from the academy to, quote, see what it was like. Uh, Andrew Ginther was apprised of this, the mayor, and he said, this will not make you feel better, by the way. These are There are already officers on our streets who have had similar types of things. We have asked folks to disclose them, and they go through extensive background process. Well, apparently not, because if they go through an extensive background process and you hire them, guess what? You might end up with officers who are more likely to be a headache in the future because the first compromise of integrity is always the easiest. Excuse me, it's always the hardest. It's always the hardest. The next one's always the easier. So we need truth tellers. We need narrative breakers. We need courageous people who, and sad truth of it is, do look like the people they are talking to because if you're going to go and change the viewpoint of a Hispanic neighborhood, an Asian neighborhood, a black neighborhood, or a white neighborhood, people, why don't you just take one of the impediments to people listening, just take that out of the equation. Now, I'm not suggesting that only... Black people will listen to someone who is black, but it will certainly take out any potential that people will disregard the message of the person solely on the basis of race. And a select few number of those people exist, and many of them are demonized because, well, if you're black, you got to vote Democrat. If you're Hispanic, you got to vote this way. If you think this, you got to think this way. So, as I say, we need narrative breakers, and thankfully we have one in Baltimore Mayor Brandon Scott. He appeared on the street on Saturday night in Baltimore after a man standing on the street corner was shot to death after 6.30 p.m. No altercation. He was just standing there. Shot. Somebody just fired into the neighborhood. Saturday night in Baltimore. Shot. Shot him. Killed him. A woman driving through the intersection was hit randomly. She crashed her car into a light pole. She's in the hospital in critical condition. She had two children in the car, a six-year-old, a two-year-old. The two-year-old was shot in the face. So here's Brandon Scott, the mayor of Baltimore, on the street, saying what needs to be said. And there are precious few people doing it. More than anything, it should be anger for all of us. Uh, we're talking about someone dead, a woman shot, a child shot, another child injured, another person shot. Over what? And I see a lot of folks, and, and really at this point, I'm talking to folks that look like me, to black men in Baltimore. I see a lot of folks trying to be, acting like they're tough, but they're really weak. Because only weak people shoot somebody when you know children are right there. And if you're harboring that person, if that's your homeboy, if that's your, that's your man, if that's your cousin, I don't care who it is, then you're weak too. And we need to step up and be better for ourselves. We have to be better to stop treating each other the way that other folks treated us for many, many years in this country. We got to be better. 
Because at what point are we going to say, damn it, we got to be better, that we want to live, that we want to stop killing each other, that we want to protect women and children and not have someone cowardly. Whoever did this tonight is a coward. There is no if, ands, or buts about that. Can't say it any better than that. Cannot say it any better than that. I'm talking to folks who look like me, he said. If you're harboring the person who did this, then you're weak too. We have to be better for ourselves. We have to be better too across racial lines. But the sad truth of it is the narrative has been driven to the point where there are people actively working against people spreading that message in places where that message needs to take root and grow and multiply. And his point about harboring people who have done this because they're your homeboy or they're this or they're that, that's not a unique to Baltimore problem. That's right here at home. We do not know. No one has been accountable for the murder of Mackenzie Ridley. Young black girl shot at a squirt gun party in a city park on the east side. Nobody has been arrested for the murder of Olivia Kurtz at Bicentennial Park at a dance party. She died in her sister's arms. Nobody has been arrested or held accountable for the murder of Kevin Sobnoski driving into a Sheets gas station on Leonard Avenue by the airport with his buddies from Youngstown after attending a Halloween party. Eight guys come out of the Sheets firing just indiscriminately across the parking lot at some rival gang across the street. Do we have an arrest? No, it's not Columbus Police's fault. It is the fault of those who know and say nothing. Who know and say nothing. I think our police officers, our police department, our law enforcement, our detectives, I think they do a remarkable job with a 50% arrest rate on murders. But if you want that rate to be higher, if you want more people held accountable, and I don't think anybody says out loud they want people to get away with murder, but if you want Linden and the Hilltop and other areas of the city to be safer, you're going to have to help those areas become safer. You just are. And it's not like you don't have anonymous ways of telling police what you know crime stoppers allows you to be anonymous just offer a tip they even make arrangements for you to be rewarded anonymously so can't bemoan the problem if you're not willing to fix it attention business owners i'm brad hennebert from tax credit america and if your business has employees and was negatively impacted Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.